This is the Troll Patrol. Live with Justin Freakin. I did it again. I for, I forgot to shut the door. I don't like I don't like showing off my my two in one washing machine back there. Hold on. Why do you want to see my washing machine? That's where the washing machine is, and that's where the litter boxes are. Good evening. Welcome. Welcome. It's a freaking Thursday. We're on a little early, which I'm sure uh, Warlord or uh, or Sweet Sweepy or Sweet Sleepy Prince <laughs> over across the bottom. The fucking shit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't talk tonight. <laughs> oh, it's still it's still not going to be as bad as all the gaffes Joe Biden's going to make when he gives his speech here at the top of the hour. We are about 25 minutes away. We are about 25 minutes away. That's what I'm expecting. Are we are we declaring war? The U.S. is going to enter the war against Hamas. This is our second war on terror. We're just continuing the war. I don't fucking know. Warlord, go make a bingo card. Good evening. Welcome. It's been a busy fucking day. What a day it's been. Sidney Powell apparently flipping on Donald Trump. Marjorie Taylor Greene dropping F-bombs. At, at Jewish protesters. I got a wild story about a Republican businessman who apparently was in the, in the closet, murdered over 20 people, murdered at least 20 people. Another victim of his has been identified apparently 30 years later. DJ Dub, good evening. Matt Gates. Apparently got into a fight in conference. As you can tell, we did not do a stream earlier today. There was no GOP battle for the Speaker of the House. I woke up. The first thing I did, let's see if there's going to be a vote. No vote. It was postponed. Now, I'm getting conflicting reports. Some news organizations are saying that Jim Jordan has dropped out. Other news organizations are saying, nope, nope, he's still barreling forward, and there's going to be a vote tomorrow. Tomorrow at like 10 o'clock. Several politicians have said the whole McHenry making uh, Bowtie Bitch the uh, acting Speaker of the House, giving him the power to uh, open up the floor for debate and voting on bills. Uh, that ain't that ain't gonna happen apparently. We're gonna talk about a dentist. Hold on, did I reset my drops? I did. Cool. Look at me. That's one thing I, I remembered to do. Well, this is from the Oval Office, so I assume it's it's and it's also prime time. So what that means is, I, I assume ABC, CBS, all the major networks are going to carry this. So he's he's going to be 
He's the dude wasn't a dentist? Or Joe Biden's not a dentist. I'm not a dentist. You might you might need a dentist if you eat too many little Debbie cakes. Little Debbie has two new holiday treats you'll only find at Walmart. Heavy redneck breathing. Clinically, good evening. I don't I don't know what this uh this speech tonight from Joe Biden is going to be about. We are about twenty minutes away. This is in the Oval Office following his meeting with Netanyahu, where apparently he sat in on war planning meetings. So, uh, I, 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 I must admit, I like a few little Debbie cakes. Not all of them. A fudge round, a fudge round is fucking good. The fuck this dude. And his hatred of fudge rounds. They they are good. Swiss cake rolls are good. I've kind of burnt myself out on Swiss cake rolls, though. I don't buy them much anymore. Meat cakes. Good evening. I guess congratulations to Mr. Oliver Anthony, who is now a father. Apparently, he knocked some woman up. Glad, glad you glad you got the cash out before you had that kid. I hear they are expensive. But you might you might need that uh, internet fame you've been riding in this economy, sir. Sydney Powell pleading guilty in Georgia. Nutty bars are good. Nutty bars are good. I fucking love a nutty bar. That's not the only Trump lawyer who who is in the news today. The other one overshadowed by Sidney Powell. Trump tried to file an appeal over the gag order, and apparently his lawyer isn't a member of the bar. So apparently... This is, this is the thing, right? So if you have uh, two stupid parents, your kid is going to be uh, is statistically likely to be smarter than the parents. Um, IQ, if if you if you subscribe to that thing, regresses to the mean. So if you have two incredibly intelligent parents, uh, the likelihood is is that you will have a child that is dumber than your parents. Than, than, than the parents. And if you have two stupid parents, you're likely to have a child that is smarter than the parents. That is, that is one of the things they teach you in statistic class. That's one of, that's one of those things that seems like uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be the case, but is. Kind of like how um, ice cream sales go up, or murders go up when ice cream sales go up. Exactly, clinically. It's it's not hereditary, and it's always going to regress towards the mean. So if you've got two really smart parents, it's just it's just statistics. They're probably going to be dumber than the parents. 
Idiocracy. I fucking love Mike Judge, but also he he's got some weird beliefs. Apparently, he's a big Alex Jones fan. Probably a COVID denier and shit. I don't know this to be fact, but just seems like he might be a, a part of that. However, Silicon Valley is one of the most brilliant fucking TV shows ever written. I stand by that. I like King of the Hill. I like Beavis and Butthead. Idiocracy, fantastic movie. But he's He's got some real libertarian, weirdo right beliefs, apparently. Like, I could, like, he did a commercial for InfoWars. Oh, oh, check this out. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is banning words. They are banning words in Arkansas. A uh, woman has accused Taylor Swift of witchcraft. Ooh, ooh, check this out. A cop has been indicted for his role in January 6th where he assaulted a cop. All this cop-on-cop violence. Last night, we <laughs> last night we watched one get hit by another cop and go rolling. <laughs> I'm still, I watched that video a, a dozen, two dozen times because I clipped it for TikTok and YouTube. So I had to watch it over and over again, right? As I'm editing it, I would still, it's still as funny to me the 50th time I've watched it <laughs> as the first time I watched it on stream last night. <laughs> Heads up. <laughs> I sent it to Sparkles and she was cracking up over, over the car. One of the officers in the car yells, Heads up. <laughs> Before they. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. School bus driver has been charged with kidnapping. A school bus driver has been charged with kidnapping. He apparently didn't let the students off the bus. this This is a wild one. Fox News is coming to his defense and saying the video proves he didn't kidnap the kids. So... I can't wait. I can't wait to watch this. I did. I went and found the you know local news hit, not not the national Fox News uh, story about it. So we're we're gonna get the actual story, find out what's going on. But there there's bound to be a reason why Fox News is defending him. All that and a lot freaking more tonight on the Troll Patrol live. Good evening, fucking chainsaw, chainsaw, my friend. Good evening to chainsaw tomorrow night. Do join us. Uh, same troll time, same troll channel. Oh, no, not same troll time. It's, it's at 10 p.m. 10 p.m. Eastern. My bad. Not the same troll time. I'm, fu- I'm, I'm fucked up tonight. I'm sorry. Friday Night Freak Show. The special guest host, Chainsaw. This is, this is uh, a long time coming. Uh, way overdue. To have Chainsaw and I on stream together. Looking very much forward to tonight. <laughs> Chainsaw is dropping down to Justin's level. 
do, doing charity for the small streamers. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> Chainsaw is going to come down here and, uh, and come, come down here with the poor people. The dregs of society. Uh, once again, we're about 13 minutes away from Joe Biden and just two wild and crazy guys. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're about 13 minutes away from Joe Biden's speech from the Oval Office having something to do with Israel and Hamas. Who fucking knows? The United States loves getting into war, so it, it might be an announcement that we're we're getting involved in this war. Dustin, good evening. So glad to see everyone tonight. So yes, he did get up and walk walked it off. However, like watching the video over and over again, I noticed he lays there motionless for a good like 20, 30 seconds at least. He's just he doesn't even move. He's just like he might be stunned. And fair enough, but like he doesn't move. I've got I've got just the raw video here. If you want me to go ahead and play it again, oh, because I, I had to I had to whoa shit I I had it up on the big TV watching it. You missed it last night. Oh, I guess I didn't record the audio. See, he just lays there. <laughs> Oof. Just two stars. I thought I thought a cop hitting a cop was an automatic four stars. I want to know. Okay, so they were in pursuit. I I guess the the dude that was this is a stolen truck, and the truck came over, took out that fire hydrant, ran into a vehicle in the driveway of that that house. Perhaps there's a suspect that is running this way and he's running after them. Otherwise, I don't know where he's running to. You know, I don't remember if the car sirens were on or not. I didn't capture the audio because like this was this was just for me to, to put this on TikTok. Ha <laughs> Heads up. Which I'm glad I didn't put audio on it because uh, KTLA claimed my video. I think that I think that's fucking rude. KTLA is making money off of my troll patrol from last night. Fuck you, KTLA. Because it was their exclusive video. Yeah. Not high enough for this shit. All right, we've ran down what we're talking about tonight. Gates got into a fight in conference. 
there might be a speaker vote tomorrow. Apparently, I don't know. I've, I've there, we've got conflicting reporting. Uh, some some reporting is saying that Jim Jordan has dropped out of the race. Other reporting saying that no, he's going to hold a vote tomorrow at ten a.m. So we'll try to get we'll try to get the lowdown on this. Nitochondria, good evening. Yes, the the truck that was involved in the incident had taken out a fire hydrant. That's where the the puddle came from. Let's go ahead. We're going to we're going to go over here. We're going to take Washington Post. We are awaiting uh, a speech from Joe Biden from the Oval Office here in about nine minutes. The crisis excellently from a, a foreign policy diplomatic perspective, but if at the end of the day, voters in the swing states conclude that he's not thinking about the economy, uh, that he's not focused on what they care about, that this will ultimately be politically problematic for him, even if he looks really presidential. The speech is designed to deal with that. Uh, the White House is cognizant of the domestic politics here. And so some of what Biden is trying to do is to say, look, I, this, in, in doing all these things, I'm doing it for America, for our leadership role. Uh, did it for the people. An effort, kind of, I think, what they hope. did it for the rock. I'm the president. I'm representing all of us in America on the world stage. America is leading. Uh, we're not going to be America first. Uh, this isn't, you know, this is a, he's not going to be political tonight. He's not going to be explicit, mm -hmm. but he will implicitly contrast his approach with sort of Trumpism and the, what it represents, which is turning inward, isolationism, protectionism, that kind of thing, uh, which Bidenism is a rejection of. Mm. I want to bring in Olivier Knox, anchor of the Post newsletter, The Daily 202. Good evening, Olivier. It's a smoky. President is trying to do tonight with this Oval Office address. We've been talking about the audience, uh, who he's trying to strike a tone with. What are your thoughts there? Well, the first thing to understand is there are multiple audiences, as there are with any Oval Office address. Uh, part of it is, of course, to Congress. He's going to send a large request for spending. We think it's going to be in the neighborhood of $100 billion. It'll include a you smell bad, Smokey. Aid to Ukraine and probably some money related to Taiwan. So he does want to win over, wants to convince uh, Congress, this is a good, a good idea. Um, the Middle East will be watching this closely, of course. There are questions about uh, uh, the, the reaction there, of course, anger in the Arab world, uh, fed by the images of Palestinian suffering. So he's going to be uh, speaking to them as well. Uh, and finally, there are the American people. And just to build on what James uh, astutely pointed out, one of the mantras of the, the Biden White House is that uh, you have to relate foreign policy back to the American middle class and explain to them how what you're doing on the world stage affects their lives. I uh, saw that poll earlier, Warlord. Big paper on the need to Danielle, good evening. Back to the average American's life. And so uh, that poll says that Biden's that. approval rating um, as well is 400 percent. Um, almost inevitable. That he, that he how can he lose if his approval rating is 400 percent? Hitting democracies against authoritarian movements. Um, and so I think I think we're going to hear a lot about all those different things. Hmm. And Dan, I, I want to bring you in as well on this. Uh, we've talked about public perception that one of the audiences tonight includes the American people who may just not know much about this current conflict and also are, are waning in their support of Ukraine. Uh, can the president reach folks who kind of are entrenched right now in their views that the U.S. should step away from global issues? 
Well, I think that's his, his goal, and that is his um, challenge. Um, Dan Bowles. To play the role in the world that he says this country has to play, he has to convince He's kicking authority that we need the boss. to stay involved. Uh, go back to something James was talking about, which is the you know the the role of the economy. Uh, Dan Bowles. There's, there's always been this notion that um, peace and prosperity are the two most important things uh, in an election year, and particularly if you're an incumbent seeking re-election. Um, we know that there are many people who don't think the economy is good, even though the job numbers have been uh, very, very good. But inflation is still a problem, and people have a sour view about the economy. Um, the, the president has been very uh, explicit uh, with regard to Ukraine, that there will not be U.S. boots on the ground there, um, similarly in the, in the Middle East. Um, but uh, one of the dangers is that the Middle East conflict uh, widens, uh, becomes a much more significant conflict with, with the Iranians coming in. We don't know what that, whether that might happen or not, but, uh, but that would be a challenge. And then the question of whether China would see the United States as being so distracted by Ukraine and, and uh, the Middle East uh, that they do something with regard to Taiwan. Um, and then you have, in a sense, the, the perfect storm uh, and the United States being in the forefront of leading uh, alliances in various places uh, to defend democracy. So that damn the way he just put it that is a big challenge that he has. <laughs> it sounds like World War Three to me. One that uh, won't be resolved tonight. Public opinion will will uh, probably not change significantly tonight. Uh, but sustaining public opinion and building public opinion is something that he's going to have to do uh, as he heads into the election year. Mm. And Karen, can you give us a sense, if you know, of the, the scale and scope of the military aid package that this administration has been considering when it comes to... It was a pretty good run. I think they... We, we almost made it 100 years without a world war. Iron Dome, the air defense system uh, that protects Israel from incoming rockets and incoming, incoming missiles hasn't been entirely successful um, in terms of... of Obviously, a lot coming up about 15 years short uh, in Israel over the past 10 days or so. But I think that they've used a lot. They want more. We're going to send them more. They want, uh, ironically enough, uh, uh, 16. Fair enough. Shells, the same caliber, the same kind that we've been scouring the earth to send to Ukraine because that has become the primary weapon uh, in in the Ukraine battle. So. Israel wants those too. They're very worried about what's coming from the north, from Lebanon, with Hezbollah. Are they going to try to insert themselves in this battle? So I think that it's air defense, uh, um, precision missiles, precision-guided missiles, uh, in case they do have to fight in the north. Uh, so those are those. Well, that's what I was getting ready to, to point out. Like very similar to the things. When does like the events of the World War, so World War Two? On production. They were set in motion. Stockpiles to get things. Set. 32, 33. Mm. And it looks like we are just. A when, when is the actual. Uh, 
Speaking Designation is the beginning of World War II. Uh, if I have to interrupt, of course, the U.S. didn't get in until they were attacked at Pearl Harbor in '41. You on something we talked about earlier, and Dan said it uh, so so wise, wisely and succinctly that the president is also giving this address to an, an empty chamber over in the House, um, and that's right. what's on my mind, I guess, as a Capitol Hill reporter. Is, is that considered the delineation um, so is when Germany invades Poland? Where, where the president has to think about the political reality of trying to get, first of all, anything through Congress. I can accept that. Speaker. And second of all, an aid package that would include so much. Well, I don't think he hates the images of chaos in the, in the House Republican caucus a ton. You know, the idea that he could point to that and say they don't, they can't govern or actually doesn't even need to point to that. He could just, We're probably going to go to the White House here in like just a minute. A problem here in terms of getting this very... Remember, this is a primetime address here in the U.S., so... I would assume he's going to be on time. Lack of clarity on the pathway out of that impasse. The other is that there's considerable opposition on the Republican side, especially in the House, and chiefly in the House, to additional aid to Ukraine. And so you've seen a lot of efforts to, uh, on the Republican side to say, no, 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 yes to Israel, sure to Taiwan, but we need to unpack Ukraine. Um, and that's that's going to be a problem. The, the Senate Republicans are not like that. They tend to uh, stand four square behind Ukraine. So this will come to some kind of resolution. Um, but that is that is one of the challenges. I it's not am not high enough for this shit. Among the GOP to sending more dollars to Ukraine. Hmm. And we are now uh, likely seconds away from the president uh, starting this speech. Again, he will be talking about a supplemental aid package uh, for Israel, Ukraine possibly as well, Taiwan, other measures as well in that. Uh, I'm joined by my colleagues here at the Washington Post. I would say they give a couple of a couple of minutes for angers to come on. Going to gird the country for what could become. And introduce the speech. Uh, I think kind of set expectations that this isn't going to be over quickly. Uh, you know, this isn't a 20-year conflict the U.S. is signing up for, a la Iraq and Afghanistan. But, uh, you know, with the scenario Dan Balls was describing of Taiwan, where China's emboldened, Ukraine, Israel, it sounds almost like World War III, mm -hmm. you know, with these three different regional wars. What that could mean is higher gas prices, for example, if there is a broader regional war in the Middle East, which would could potentially hurt the economy, certainly make people feel squeezed. Mm -hmm. uh, and he warned when, Americans about that when exactly, Ukraine began. Yeah. When inflation is starting to come down because interest rates are going up, you know, this could, could put a spin on things. In some ways, to Karen and Olivier's points, the, the issue is, is almost less about money uh, especially for Israel, than the actual availability of supplies. What are the? I, I, it's, right it might not be possible to get high enough for this yet. Which the president could announce. But yeah, like if the networks are taking this, they want to give it Lester Holt a chance to introduce it and say what's going on. Now we go to the White House with Joe Biden. Maybe invoking the uh, Defense Production Act that we heard so much about during COVID, which was actually written and intended for emergencies just like this one. Yeah, and while we don't know the future, it does seem like this may just be the start of... Uh, and tonight's, tonight's stream is wild. So much shit going on. Uh, so this is, could be the beginning. Holy uh, fuck. Uh, hearing from the president about the situation in the Middle East. Uh, we are now just a few is minutes I, away. There we go. Good evening, my fellow Americans. We're facing an inflection point in history. One of those moments where the decisions we make today are going to determine the future for decades to come. That's what I'd like to talk with you about tonight. You know, earlier this morning, I returned from Israel. 
They tell me I'm the first American president to travel there during the war. I met with the prime minister and members of his cabinet. And most movingly, I met with Israelis who had personally lived through horrific horror of the attack by Hamas on the 7th of October. More than 1,300 people slaughtered in Israel, including at least 32 American citizens. Scores of innocents, from infants to the elderly grandparents, Israelis, Americans taken hostage. And as I told the families of Americans being held captive by Hamas, we're pursuing every avenue to bring their loved ones home. As president, there is no higher priority for me than the safety of Americans held hostage. The terrorist group Hamas unleashed pure, unadulterated evil in the world. But sadly, the Jewish people know perhaps better than anyone that there is no limit to the depravity of people when they want to inflict pain on others. <clears throat> in Israel, I saw people who were strong, determined, resilient, and also angry, in shock and in deep, deep pain. I also spoke with President Abbas, the Palestinian Authority, and reiterated the United States remains committed to the Palestinian people. Good evening, Richard. Dignity and to self-determination. The actions of Hamas terrorists don't take that right away. Like so many other, I'm heartbroken by the tragic loss of Palestinian life, including the explosion at the hospital in Gaza, which was not done by the Israelis. We mourn every innocent life lost. We can't ignore the humanity of innocent Palestinians who only want to live in peace and have an opportunity. You know, the assault on Israel echoes nearly 20 months of war, tragedy, and brutality inflicted on the people of Ukraine, people that were very badly hurt since Putin launched his all-out invasion. We've not forgotten the mass graves, the bodies found bearing signs of torture, rape used as a weapon by the Russians and thousands and thousands of Ukrainian children forcibly taken into Russia, stolen from their parents. It's sick. Hamas and Putin represent different threats, but they share this in common. They both want to completely annihilate a neighboring democracy, completely annihilate it. Hamas' stated purpose for existing is the destruction of the state of Israel and the murder of Jewish people. Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people. Hamas uses Palestinian civilians as human shields, and innocent Palestinian families are suffering greatly because of them. Meanwhile, Putin denies Ukraine has or ever had real statehood. He claims the Soviet Union created Ukraine. And just two weeks ago, he told the world that if the United States and our allies withdraw, and if the United States withdraw, our allies will as well, military support for Ukraine would have, quote, a week left to live, but we're not withdrawing. I know these conflicts can seem far away. And it's natural to ask, why does this matter to America? So let me share with you why making sure Israel and Ukraine succeed is vital for America's national security. You know, history has taught us that when terrorists don't pay a price for their terror, when dictators don't pay a price for their aggression, they cause more chaos and death and more destruction. They keep going. And the cost and the threats to America and the world keep rising. So if we don't stop Putin's appetite for power and control in Ukraine, he won't limit himself just to Ukraine. He's, Putin's already threatened to remind, quote, remind Poland that their Western land was a gift from Russia. One of his top advisors, a former president of Russia, has called Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania Russia's Baltic provinces. These are all NATO allies. 
For 75 years, NATO has kept peace in Europe and has been the cornerstone of American security. And if Putin attacks a NATO ally, we will defend every inch of NATO which the treaty requires and calls for. We'll have something that we do not seek. What happens if a NATO ally attacks another NATO ally? American troops fighting in Russia or fighting against Russia. Beyond Europe, we know that our allies and maybe most importantly our adversaries and competitors are watching. They're watching our response in Ukraine as well. And if we walk away and let Putin erase Ukraine's independence, would-be aggressors around the world be emboldened to try the same? The risk of conflict and chaos could spread in other parts of the world, in the Indo-Pacific, in the Middle East, especially in the Middle East. Iran is, is supporting Russia in Ukraine, and is supporting Hamas and other terrorist groups in the region. And we'll continue to hold them accountable, I might add. The United States and our partners across the region are working to build a better future for the Middle East. One where the Middle East is more stable, better connected to its neighbors, and through innovative projects like the Indian Middle East and Europe Rail Corridor that I announced this year at the summit of the world's biggest economies. More predictable markets, more employment, less rage, less grievances, less war when connected. It benefits the people, it would benefit the people of the Middle East, and it would benefit us. American leadership is what holds the world together. American alliances will keep us, America, safe. American values are what make us a partner that other nations want to work with. To put all that at risk, if we walk away from Ukraine, if we turn our backs on Israel, it's just not worth it. That's why tomorrow I'm going to send to Congress an urgent budget request to fund America's national Congress. to support our critical partners, including Israel and Ukraine, is a smart investment that's going to pay dividends for American security for generations. Help us keep American troops out of harm's way. Help us build a world that is safer, more peaceful, more prosperous for our children and grandchildren. In Israel, we must make sure that they have what they need to protect their people today and always. The security package I'm sending to Congress and asking Congress to do is an unprecedented commitment to Israel's security that will sharpen Israel's qualitative military edge, which we've committed to. That's Hunter over his shoulder, isn't it? Military edge. We're going to make sure Iron Dome continues to guard the skies over Israel. We're going to make sure other hostile actors in the it bow? know that Israel is stronger than ever and prevent this conflict from spreading. Look. At the same time, President Netanyahu and I discussed again yesterday the critical need for Israel to operate by the laws of war. That means protecting civilians in combat as best as they can. <clears throat> the people of Gaza urgently need food, water, and medicine. Yesterday, in discussions with the leaders of Israel and Egypt, I secured an agreement for the first shipment of humanitarian assistance from the United Nations to Palestinian civilians in Gaza. Hamas does not divert or steal this shipment, these shipments, we're going to provide an opening for sustained delivery of life-saving humanitarian assistance for the Palestinians. As I said in Israel, as hard as it is, we cannot give up on peace. We cannot give up on a two-state solution. Israel and Palestinians equally deserve to live in safety, dignity, and peace. You know, and here at home, we have to be honest with ourselves. 
In recent years, too much hate has given too much oxygen, fueling racism, the rise of anti-Semitism, Islamic phobia, right here in America. It's also intensified in the wake of recent events that led to the horrific threats and attacks that both shock us and break our hearts. On October 7th, terror attacks have triggered deep scars and terrible memories in the Jewish community. Today, Jewish families worried about being targeted in school, wearing symbols of their face walking down the street, or going out about their daily lives. And I know many of you in the Muslim American community, the Arab American community, the Palestinian American community, and so many others are outraged and hearty, saying to yourselves, here we go again with Islamophobia and distrust we saw after 9-11. Just last week, a mother was brutally stabbed. A little boy, here in the United States, a little boy who just turned six years old was murdered in their home outside of Chicago. His name was Wadiha, Wadiha, a proud American, a proud Palestinian American family. We can't stand by and stand silent when this happens. We must, without equivocation, denounce anti-Semitism. We must also, without equivocation, denounce Islamophobia. And to all you hurting, those of you hurting, I want you to know I see you. You belong. And I want to say this to you. You're all America. You're all America. This is in a moment, you know, in moments like these, when fear and suspicion, anger and rage run hard, that we have to work harder than ever to hold on to the values that make us who we are. We're a nation of religious freedom, freedom of expression. We all have a right to debate and disagree without fear of being targeted in schools or workplaces or in our communities. <clears throat> I must renounce violence and vitriol see each other not as enemies, but as fellow Americans. When I was in Israel yesterday, I uh, said that when America experienced the hell of 9-11, we felt enraged as well. While we sought and got justice, we made mistakes. So I cautioned the government of Israel not to be blinded by rage. And here in America, let us not forget who we are. We mistakes. All forms, all forms of hate whether against Muslim, Jews, or anyone. That's what great nations do. And we are a great nation. On Ukraine, I'm asking Congress to make sure we can continue to send Ukraine the weapons they need to defend themselves and their country without interruption so Ukraine can stop Putin's brutality in Ukraine. They are succeeding. When Putin invaded Ukraine, he thought he would take Kyiv and all of Ukraine in a matter of days. Well, over a year later, Putin has failed, and he continues to fail. Kyiv still stands because of the bravery of the Ukrainian people. Ukraine has regained more than 50% of the territory Russian troops once occupied, backed by U.S.-led coalition of more than 50 countries around the world, all doing its part to support Kyiv. What would happen if we walked away? We are the essential nation. Meanwhile, Putin has turned to Iran and North Korea. Kiev is an anagram for Kevin. Do with that what you will. Oh, wait a minute, there's no N in it. Never mind. I'm an idiot. I've said, I will not. I was trying to make a joke. Ukraine. All Ukraine is asking for is help for the weapons, munitions, the capacity, the capability to push invading Russian forces off their land and the air defense system to shoot down Russian missiles 
before they destroy Ukrainian cities. Let me be clear about something. We send Ukrainian equipment sitting in our stockpiles. And when we use the money allocated by Congress, we use it to replenish our own stores, our own stockpiles with new equipment. Equipment that, defeat, that defends America and is made in America. Patriot missiles for air defense batteries made in Arizona. Artillery shells manufactured in 12 states across the country in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Texas, and so much more. You know, just as in World War II, Today, patriotic American workers are building the arsenal of democracy and serving the cause of freedom. The arsenal of democracy? Earlier this year, I boarded Air Force One for a secret flight to Poland. There, I boarded a train with blacked out windows for a 10-hour ride each way to Kyiv to stand with the people of Ukraine ahead of the one-year anniversary of their brave fight against Putin. I'm told I was the first American to enter a war zone not controlled by the United States military since President Lincoln. With me was just a small group of security personnel and a few advisors. But when I exited that train and met Zelensky, President Zelensky, I didn't feel alone. I was bringing with me the idea of America, the promise of America, to the people who are today fighting for the same things we fought for 250 years ago, freedom, independence, self-determination. And as I walked through Kyiv with President Zelensky, with air raid sirens sounding in the distance, it was an FDR quote. I've always believed, more strongly than ever before, America is a beacon to the world. Still, still. Whereas my friend Madeleine Albright said, the indispensable nation. Tonight there are innocent people all over the world who hope because of us who believe in a better life because of us, who are desperate not to be forgotten by us and are waiting for us. But time is of the essence. I know we have our divisions at home. <clears throat> we have to get past them. We can't let petty, partisan, angry politics get in the way of our responsibilities as a great nation. We cannot and will not let terrorists like Hamas and tyrants like Putin win. I refuse to let that happen. In moments like these, we have to remind, we have to remember who we are. We are the United States of America. The United States of America. And there is nothing, nothing beyond our capacity if we do it together. My fellow Americans, thank you for your time. May God bless you all. May God protect our troops. We are facing well, an there, there you have it. Says President Biden tonight in a rare Oval Office address announcing an urgent budget request to Congress that he described as an unprecedented commitment to aid both for Israel and Ukraine. But what Congress? There is there is no Congress in session. They do not have a Speaker of the House. It was a uh, FDR quote uh, from a speech he gave in 1940. A year before the U.S. entered the the Second World War, it originally appeared in a book by Herbert Houston, who analyzed World War One. He wrote that American business was the protector of democracy, while the American free press was one of the most effective weapons in the arsenal of democracy. So that's the actual etymology. I condone hummus. 
Love fucking hummus. Hummus apparently yet again calling for jihad. Uh, warnings from the DHS, the FBI, and several other agencies over potential violence around the globe. Also, Ray, good evening. DJ Dub, clinically. These nuts. Nitochondria. Dustin Libertad. I think I got everybody. I think I gave everybody the shout out. I, I get comments a lot of times that I talk over things too much. So I was, I was trying to lay out during the Biden speech. DHS, FBI, and more agencies warning of heightened potential for violence around the globe. Nationwide about the potential for unrest as a result of the Israel-Hamas war. A new intelligence bulletin suggests lone offenders who are inspired by the events transpiring overseas pose the greatest threat to Americans here in the States. CBS News senior investigative correspondent Catherine Herridge joining us now with a little more on this. Listen, Catherine, you... I thought the woman from the Cranberries died. Bulletins. What does the latest intelligence show us? Well, Anne-Marie and Vlad, good to be with you. The latest bulletin comes from Homeland Security, FBI, and the... Nat- and stabbings, too, clinically. Stabbings, too. And we covered the story of the the little boy getting stabbed to death in Illinois. What has come out since we covered it that first night is that the little boy was, was like the, the dude that killed the little boy was like a grandfather to him. Apparently, the boy was going for like running up to him to give him a hug when he got stabbed to death. What the fuck? Like I, I just assumed that the that the dude was some crazy nut job that kept to himself or some shit, but apparently he had a really good relationship with the family. The, the little six-year-old boy was running up to him to give him a hug when he stabbed him to death. Sickening. National Counterterrorism Center, or NCTC. This is the government's hub for threat analysis, and it confirms an uptick in threats to the Jewish, Muslim, and Arab communities here in the U.S. And the greatest risk, it says, is posed by what law enforcement calls a lone offender or a lone actor. These are individuals who are inspired to act because of the violence they see overseas. And they're not part of a larger network or a group of cells, so there's very little chatter, and it's much harder for law enforcement. Wait, 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 wait. This is, this is wild that I, I noticed this. They're watching wrestling in the background. That's WWE Raw overseas and they're not part of a larger network or a group of cells so there's very little chatter and it's much harder for law who are why are they watching wrestling in the background overseas and they're not part of a larger network or a group of cells so there's very little chatter and it's much harder for law enforcement to disrupt these efforts so is there any evidence Catherine of credible threats here in the U.S. Well, Vlad, so far they're saying Fair enough. specific or credible, but law enforcement is also warning that this is a highly volatile and involving threat environment, evolving rather threat environment. They are pointing to an uptick in reported threats and very specific threats 
against these institutions, uh, specifically physical assault, bomb threats, and online calls for mass casualty attacks. So this gives you a sense of this heightened threat environment and the deep concern among law enforcement and Homeland Security that there may be that lone offender who slips through and is able to perpetuate an act of violence here in the U.S. Well, Catherine, you've seen some of the demonstrations mm -hmm. around the world. Are there threats to U.S.? Who's moaning in the background? Well, clearly this is a concern for the State Department. We were able to review what are called State Department diplomatic security cables, and they're calling on all the posts overseas to stand up what are called emergency action committees or EACs. And that's significant because it's no small thing. These are the crisis management teams in posts overseas, and they've been told to assess their physical security, also look for any weaknesses where there could be violence, and to also report back here in Washington to what kind of additional security is available from their host nation so it really it is, is very yellow call an on hands on all hands on deck a signal to those embassies so uh what makes this threat environment stand out from the others Catherine? Who's this, well, this dude? Where'd he come from? Former Homeland Security official that it's really one of the most complex threat environments we've seen since the 9-11 terrorist attacks, in part because it's so multi-layered. We have this existing threat here in the U.S. of what they call domestic violent extremists or DVEs. You have now layered on top of that the threat of lone actors or lone offenders who are triggered or inspired to act and commit acts of violence here in the U.S. based on what they're seeing overseas. Then you also have the potential for for cyber attacks, there have been some indicators in the Middle East that there have been probing attacks against various facilities. If Iran gets involved and its proxy Hezbollah, you can look or expect that to also escalate. And then finally, we're in this age of disinformation and misinformation, and this is all designed to confuse people, to mislead people, and the objective of the bad actors is to deepen this conflict and incite further violence. All right, Catherine Herridge, as always, excellent reporting. We appreciate you, Catherine. Indeed, indeed. They, they showed the group most likely to commit violence, the cops. I, like, apparently, the U.S. media is taking Israel at its word that Israel didn't bomb the hospital, even though they took credit for it after they bombed the hospital. It like there's a lot of misinformation going on, so I don't really want to touch on it. I I the jury is still out in my mind as to whose munition went off to kill all of those people in the hospital, and I'm leaning towards Israel just because they have the track record, and it sure does seem that they are lying about something, that they know something and they are covering something up, because once again. They took credit for it. They took credit for it originally. The IDF took credit for it. They, they announced that hospital as one of the hospitals that needed to be evacuated. So, I don't know. They won't let people in there to independently verify it. Apparently, Gaza is completely shut off from any kind of, of journalism. So it's Hamas's word against Israel's word. And once again, track record, Israel does not have a good track record of telling the truth. So I'm willing to withhold judgment of whether for sure 
it was Israel that bombed the hospital. But I'm leaning towards Israel. And clinically, is 100% correct. It wouldn't have happened if the Israeli government hadn't escalated the situation. It wouldn't have happened if the, if, if the Israeli government wasn't running a concentration camp in Gaza. Now, nobody's making mission of the U.S. State Department official who apparently is so disgusted about uh, about the U.S.'s handling of this situation, they have resigned. Let's hear from that ex-State Department official. Israel and Hamas has caused an eruption of anger and grief in many corners of the world. It has also launched governments into action, and first among them, the U.S. and the Biden White House. But even inside government, there is some disagreement about the approach. Here's Nick Schifrin. The State Department's Bureau of Political Military Affairs is responsible for most arms transfers to American allies and partners. And for more than 11 years, Josh Paul ran its Congressional and Public Affairs Office. He wrote in his public resignation letter this week, he knew his job was not, quote, without moral compromise, but calls the transfer of weapons to Israel, quote, short-sighted, destructive, and unjust. And Josh Paul joins me now. Thank you very much. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. To the news hour. Uh, so why are... The best Paul brother, apparently. Weapons transfers to Israel in this moment unjust. So let's back up and recognize what we're talking about. We're talking about the transfer of arms that can last for decades, whose purpose is to kill. That's an obvious point, um, but it underlines the gravity of the decisions that we make every single day uh, in the U.S. government and the State Department. Um, recognizing that, the Biden administration earlier this year issued a conventional arms transfer policy which raised the standard for the transfer of weapons to what they call a more likely than not. If it is more likely than not that weapons the U.S. provides to another country will be used for violations of human rights, uh, they will not be transferred. Um, what we've seen with Israel repeatedly in operations in Gaza in 2009, in 2014, 2021, is massive civilian casualties, thousands of Palestinians killed, uh, through a, a relatively indiscriminate use of bombs to destroy buildings. Um, and yet, in this context of this conflict today, uh, where we've already seen, again, thousands of Palestinian casualties, uh, there has been no policy debate. Indeed, there's been a rush to provide arms uh, where normally there is discussion, consideration, and thought. So the Israeli Defense Forces, I should say, say that they only target Hamas officials, Hamas weapons, uh, and, and rocket launch sites. Uh, it sounds like what you said at the end there is one of your key criticisms. Did you raise your concerns within state, and what was the response? Uh, I raised them, in fact, uh, as soon as two days after the uh, Hamas atrocity. And let me just be clear, uh, that was an atrocity and an outrage uh, full stop, period, no further uh, caveats. Um, shortly after that, I raised concerns that, look, we've seen that for 20 years, um, the provision of security assistance to Israel, and for longer than that, has not led to peace. And instead, uh, it has used uh, the way it has employed that security uh, is actually led us further from peace. And so I uh, wrote to uh, a number of leaders within uh, the department uh, two days after Hamas's attack and said, uh, you know, I recognize that there's going to be a, a demand signal for arms to Israel. Can't we for once stop and think about if this is actually getting us to where we need to be before we move forward? And what was the response? Uh, no response. Um, and and how I, I mean, like, I am not, uh, I'm not 
pro killing of anybody. Hey, unless a unless a cop wants to, you know, get himself unalived. Um, but you gotta admit, like they probably look pretty based when they were flying in on their little on their little tricycle glider things, <laughs> and just the the whole the whole setup that it was a peace concert. I've I've now heard conflicting reports. Originally, I heard that it was two miles away from the. Uh, Gaza border. I've, I've now heard that it was about about five miles, but a couple, a few miles from the Gaza border, from a concentration camp. They were holding a festival for peace. So, like, just the irony of it. I don't want to see any innocent people get killed. That's why cops don't count. They're not innocent. Un and how unusual it is. So I condemn! Uh, you know, if you think about other countries in the region, I, I, I won't name names, but there are obviously a number where there are troubling human rights records, and the debate over arms sales requests that come from those countries can last within the administration itself for months, sometimes even years. During your time, though, uh, the United States, for example, uh, I will name names, <laughs> provided <laughs> arms to Egypt, mm -hmm. widely criticized yep. for its human rights abuses, and to the Saudi coalition yes. that has killed uh, many, many civilians in Yemen and accused of violating the laws of war yes. by Human Rights Watch. Why do you not resign after those arms transfers? Because those were cases where I could make a difference and manage through my work and the work of many others in the department uh, to add some uh, elements to it. So, for example, uh, there is a training program that has been going on uh, now with Saudi pilots to improve their targeting. Um, and, and in the case of Egypt, of course, we have, you know, Leahy vetting where units that are identified to be involved in gross violation of human rights are not eligible to receive U.S. weapons. There is a Leahy vetting process for Israel. It has never found an Israeli unit to be guilty of a gross violation of human rights. It's a broken system. Okay, well, you could argue that isn't that proof that the vetting that State Department does do, you say, of the Israel's defense forces have not found a violation of Leahy. Does that mean that they don't violate Well, they've, they've identified many, but they've not been able to come to a conclusion which requires senior level sign-off within the department. Just to be clear, are you, are you saying that there have been units inside Israel's Defense Force that the State Department has been concerned about? Yes. yes. Their violations or their actions, you've brought that to senior officials and over the years consistently they have not acted on that. That is correct. Uh, these questions, of course, were put to Matt Miller, the State Department spokesman, uh, earlier today. Let's take a listen to what he said. We comply with all applicable uh, statutory requirements and regulatory requirements in our provision of military assistance to Israel as we do to every other country in the world. Isn't that what the U.S. pushes and isn't that the policy? I think that is right. We have complied with the laws. The problem is that the laws are intentionally vague in some cases. So, for example, uh, they require a determination that something has happened uh, in terms of gross violation of human rights before um, uh, sanctions, as they were, could be applied. So, yes, absolutely, we are acting within the law. Um, the question is, is that good enough? And we are certainly not acting within the conventional arms transfer policy. Finally, uh, you I mean, have, we make the laws, right? You have connections uh, throughout the region. Do those connections drive your opinion on this? They certainly drive a lot of my passion. Um, but I think at the end of the day, what has driven me throughout my service in the Political Military Affairs Bureau uh, is a passion for human rights, something that has compelled me always to look at those issues uh, and to carry them forward as something that we need to do better on and can do better on. Josh Paul, thank you very much. Thank you. Good on this dude, but also, he's not really getting all that much coverage. But at least PBS is showing him.
This is this is a wild story. Right wingers have been running with this one. I've seen the I've seen the video shared around many many times. So perhaps we can provide you with some context to the video that you may have seen, especially on Twitter. A Florida dentist has been fired for tearing down posters of Israeli hostages. He says he had the best of intentions, but is now getting death threats, according to his lawyer. A Florida dentist was fired after he was caught on video tearing down posters of hostages who were taken by Hamas fighters during the Palestinian militant group's deadly terrorist attack on Israel earlier this month. Dr. Ahmed Al-Kusa is now getting death threats for his actions, his lawyer told Insider on Thursday. He acted on his best judgment at the time and removed them without any ill intention for the Jewish community. According to Al-Qasa's lawyer, Hassan Shibli, the founder and lead attorney of Muslim Legal, adding that his client has been slaughtered online and paid a big price without even being given a chance to clarify. Shilby and uh, Shilby said El Casa had the best of intentions when he ripped down the flyers in the Miami neighborhood of Brickell this week because he was concerned the posters would escalate further conflict. Alcusa, a 31-year-old American of Lebanese descent, was seen walking down the street with a friend with crumbled posters in their hand and now viral video. I just... Why do you have posters about missing Israelis that were taken hostage by Hamas? in Miami have you seen this person Cuban descendant in Miami what the fuck I don't I don't understand what the issue was other than to use it uh, as propaganda to escalate tensions by Wednesday morning Elkusa's employer CG smile had announced on Instagram that Elkusa had been fired we were very sad to see the situation upon waking up the dental clinic said in a post our office, CG Smile, is not in favor of any of the actions taken by Dr. Elkusa. We do not support terrorist groups' act- actions or supporters. He has been removed from our staff, all our, of our social media pages and groups. Gilby said that Elkusa was told that he was axed from his job effective immediately and said that his client is appalled by his determination. By his termination, CG Smile added fuel to the fire and misrepresented the situation, the attorney said, adding that Elkusa will be exploring all legal options. According to Shilby, Elkusa decided to tear down the hostage posters because he was horrified by the recent killing of a six-year-old Palestinian-American boy. Police say the boy was fatally stabbed by an Illinois landlord in an anti-Muslim attack in response to the Israel-Hamas war. It was the sole intention of removing them and claims otherwise have no basis. We demand an apology and reinstatement as the only path to restore his livelihood and clear his good name. You'll be noted that before Elkusa tore down the hostage posters, his client called the police to express his concerns. The police told him, you know, it's also part of freedom of speech for you to remove those posters that are publicly posted so you can exercise your right to do that said Shilby. So he did that with the intention of just hoping to avoid an escalation of conflict. Does this, does this, uh, phone call exist? 
If it does, I would like to hear it. Okusa genuinely apologizes to anyone who may have been offended and misunderstood his actions and his intention. He genuinely apologizes, especially to the Jewish community, any members of the Jewish community that may have felt offended. At the same time, he does believe his employer should be held responsible for fanning the flames without even speaking to him. DG Smile owner Juan Izquierdo told Insider on Thursday that his clinic stands by the decision to fire El Cusa. Our office will never tolerate any type of behavior that, you know, targets a certain group of people. So we made the decision that we did based on what we believe is our constitutional or our, our contractual right. Constitutional right. I would like to hear this phone call. Did the cops really tell him to go tear him down? That's that's kind of funny. All right, as I said, let's 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 move to move to the house. I was trying to decide if I wanted to do Marjorie Taylor Greene and cussing at the protesters. We'll we'll do we'll do that here in a little bit. Let's move to the house where earlier today we thought there was going to be another speaker vote. There was not. We are now getting conflicting reports whether Jim Jordan is uh, dropping out of the race or not. After a day of confusion and discussion, Representative Jim Jordan says he is not giving up the race for House Speaker. The Ohio congressman failed to win the speakership in two votes, leaving the House without a speaker for more than two weeks and Congress at a standstill. Jim Jordan drops out of the race for House Speaker was the title of this video. Still, Jordan appeared to back one plan for a path forward, but late this afternoon, all of that changed. Alice Barr has more from Capitol Hill tonight. Good evening, Jennifer. This is one of those days you can't write something down without it changing a second later as House Republicans battle each other for a path forward. A shift in strategy to kick the House of Representatives back into action after more than two weeks without a speaker hitting another wall today. The current nominee, Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan, choosing not to push for a third House vote for now. I'm still running for speaker and I plan to go to the floor uh, and get the votes and win this race. But I want to go talk with a, a few of my colleagues. I think I can say confidently that this motherfucker is never going to be the Speaker of the House. Which is a good thing. This is a very good thing. Chairman Jordan appeared to back a plan to temporarily empower the... John, good evening. ...Patrick McHenry, enabling the House to pass critical legislation while Republicans work to get on the same page. But after a lengthy closed-door huddle with GOP members, Jordan said there was too much opposition. We made the pitch to... Um, members on the resolution as a way to lower the temperature and get back to work. Uh, we decided that wasn't where we're going to go. Moderates in both parties had expressed support. So that we can start moving our appropriations bills, aid to Israel, deal with the crisis in Ukraine, and our border. This is imperative. It's a national security issue, international security. Who are these two goobers? A deeply divided house striving for a solution to get back to the work of the American people. So this is Patrick McHenry, the representative from North Carolina. Apparently at the time he was elected was the youngest 
elected representative. He's now been serving for like 16 years. Uh, Bowtie bitch, as the chat has effect, has affectionately dubbed him. So this this plan to give McHenry all the power of the actual Speaker of the House not going to happen. Gridlock continue on Capitol Hill tonight with disagreement inside the Republican Party over whether to expand powers for the Speaker pro tem Patrick McHenry of North Carolina. And there's a lot of will they or won't they confusion tonight about whether there will be another vote for Jim Jordan, a third ballot for that speaker race. The chair of the House Judiciary Committee now says he will continue his quest to win the gavel. Jordan already, though, lost two speaker votes this week. CBS News congressional correspondent Scott McFarland joins us now from Capitol Hill. Scott, thank you. Why is Jordan pushing for a third ballot if he knows the votes aren't there? Not sure what the other exit ramp would be at this point, Bob. There was a raucous four-hour House Republican meeting today in which they talked about this idea of temporarily expanding. And apparently got physical. We're going to get to that. Pro Tem Patrick McHenry. And that idea landed with a raucous thud in the room. It was dead on arrival. Republicans recognized pretty quickly they'd have to do a lot of outreach to Democrats to get that idea to pass. They'd have to partner with Democrats. And even though we're in a crisis of their making, they don't want to have Democrats help them escape this crisis. So... But they sure as shit want to blame the Democrats. Holy fuck. The only path forward they deem is to have Jim Jordan try to swing the votes of at least 18 of 22 defectors. And there are climbs, there are uphill climbs, and then there are this type of mountainous climb that Jim Jordan faces trying to do so. He ended the afternoon meeting with some of them, but there's been no indication any of them are wavering. So how long does this last? I mean, does Jordan just keep going to the floor like McCarthy did earlier this year and go ballot after ballot, hoping to wear them down? But a lot of these traditional Republicans don't seem ready to be even in a conversation about moving their vote. This is so complex, first of all, because there is a level of exhaustion. Not really complex. Down this path as a Republican conference, they are leaving a trail of bad blood behind them. The animosity is rising. There are new factions forming, and a lot of this is getting personal. One Republican, Ken Buck of Colorado, told me today he doesn't think Jim Jordan's doing enough to tamp down the threats so many of these dissenters and defectors are getting, Ken Buck among them. And we've seen reports of death threats against some of these Republicans who've gone another way. Jordan has disavowed those threats, so has his staff. But they think he can do more to cool things off. I asked a sampling of Republicans late today what they think happens next. You'll hear the answers are less than clear. So the resolution is dead on arrival. Not enough support? No, no. And it would be foolish for us to go to, to the floor without 217. The other Republicans are saying the next step is for Jim Jordan to bring you and the others in a room and change your minds. No resolution to temporarily empower Mr. McHenry. How's that going to go? Oh, I don't know. I, I think the next step is to go to the floor and have another vote, see where see where we are. And then he can figure out who the, the 20, 30, 40 are that uh, are opposed and, and move forward from You there. think there's more than 22? I do think there's more than 22. And Bob, this obviously one... So he's lost more votes. ...circumstance in Kevin McCarthy's circumstance. Every roll call vote exerts political pain on some of the moderates in swing districts who continue to support Jim Jordan. Wasn't true in the Kevin McCarthy case. Taking a real tough vote, so the more often you drag them out there for that vote, the more endangered some of these Republicans who stick with Jordan become. 
Let's listen to what Congressman Jordan had to say to reporters earlier today. Let's. We made the we made the pitch to um, members on the resolution as a way to lower the temperature and get back to work. Uh, we decided that wasn't where we're going to go. I'm still running for speaker, and I plan to go to the floor uh, and get the votes and win this race. But I want to go talk with a, a few of my colleagues. Particularly, I want to talk with the 20 individuals who voted against me. So Jordan's still in, Scott, and just about 20, 30 seconds left here. If not Jordan, who? Oh, if there was a name that we could offer, he or she would be the speaker already. They've been in this quagmire for days knowing Jim Jordan had a real steep climb. I think you have to hit rock bottom sometimes before you open your mind broader. And it feels like after this day, maybe the next ballot, getting close to rock bottom. They keep digging inside of the House Republican Conference. Scott McFarland, thank you. So apparently they have tentatively scheduled to vote for 10 a.m. tomorrow. I'll get my ass out of bed. And, and try to try to cover this tomorrow morning. Let's get the, the there there are several uh, breaking blogs that are covering the the drama. So let's kind of like catch you up on everything that's been going on. Jordan spokesman Russell Dye said tonight that the next speaker vote will be at 10 a.m. on Friday. Ugh. Yes, a Friday morning troll patrol. There could still be another speaker vote, but no decision has been made, according to McHenry. Uh, clearly that is, so McHenry has threatened to quit in a closed door meeting tonight McHenry told GOP colleagues he might resign as speaker pro tempore if Republicans push him to try to move legislation on the floor without an explicit vote to expand his powers if you guys try to do that you'll figure out who the next person on Kevin's list is McHenry told the room Three sources said, referring to former Speaker Kevin McCarthy's secret list of GOP lawmakers who would serve as temporary Speaker in the event of a vacancy. McHenry's comments underscore the quandary Republicans are in. They can't really do anything until they choose a new Speaker, but they can't agree on someone who can get the votes to be that new Speaker. And McHenry is unwilling to set a precedent that would give future temporary Speakers the full power of the Speakers who are elected on the House floor. It could mean that the House wouldn't need to elect Speakers in the future. Bowtie bitch may quit as the the temporary house speaker. It's kind of amazing to me <laughs> that all the all the reporting we just watched didn't mention the most interesting thing that came out of the the caucus conferences today. Apparently. Kevin McCarthy and Matt Gates got physical. They're having a discussion in there. When you become speaker, a lot of people won't know all the different rules. After 9-11, they um, created a system where you put names on a list if a case that you were no longer speaker for somebody to carry out that role until you elect a new speaker. It's about the continuity of government. I always believed the names I was putting on the list could carry out and keep government running until you elect a new speaker. There is a question um, 
McGovern ran down to try to make a legal question. Some people legally say McHenry has that power, and some will say doesn't have his, uh, the, all the power. So there was a um, debate in there. Should we allow McHenry to have that power so we can deal with Israel and others and keep things working? I know the Democrats tried to make some legal thing against it. Uh, and, that's and then here's the thing is like they are in complete disarray, but there's still going to be a factor in the 2024 election, and that is sad. They could take the Senate. They're more than likely going to lose the House and more than likely going to take the Senate. Jesus fucking Christ. That's the discussion we're having in there. Can you until we explain there. specifically what happened with Matt Gates? Oh, no, 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 no. Um, I was at the mic, I was speaking, and Matt Gates tried to interrupt the Senate, so I told him to sit down, and he sat down. What's your view I think it, him? No, I told him to sit Do down. I, th I think the entire conference screamed at me. People are, listen, we, the whole country, I think, would scream at Matt Gates right now. <laughs> it, it was a crazy eights led by Matt Gates and every single Democrat that put us into this situation. Uh, we've never been in this situation before, but how do you have 4% of your conference remove a speaker when 96% are there? This is why we're here. He had no plan afterwards. Now we have Israel at a war, questions whether Congress can act, uh, questions where we'd be able to go to select a new speaker. I mean, it's a difficult situation driven by one person for his own personal beliefs, his Venus. animosity towards me, and his concern about what's inside an ethics complaint that was filed before I was even speaker. What is the, what is the support for the McHenry resolution to give him more powers? An ethics complaint at Matt Gates, huh? And would you need Democrats to come and help you? Well, the, the question in there, we'd like to have all Republicans, but it's, they get into the bunch of legal minds whether they're or not. I just think we need to make sure government still runs. And I think we should be having a resolution on the floor in support of Israel. I have a five-point plan to support Israel, but the question right now is you can't do anything until you elect a speaker, and apparently there's not enough votes to elect a speaker. Should Jim Jordan step down? Uh, look, it took me 15 times to win, so I, I don't question when someone keeps being have the opportunity. And how'd that work out for you, Mr. 15-time loser? Huh? The GOP erupts in closed-door meeting after a House speaker stalemate. So Jim Banks of Indiana is saying... Uh, an influential conservative running for Senate called the escape hatch a historic betrayal and the biggest FU to Republican voters. That, that was about McHenry. We don't deserve the majority, Banks told reporters, predicting that more than half of Republicans would oppose the resolution. This is about McHenry. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene called Jordan's decision disappointing and vowed to vote against the resolution. Matt Gates, a Jordan supporter who led the charge to Alice McCarthy, called the plan a constitutional desecration and vowed to do everything possible to stop it. So that is why we do we are not getting McHenry. I thought that might have a little bit more about uh, Matt Gates. Matt Gates asked Matt Gates asked about uh, the tussle with Jim Jordan earlier today in conference Gates asked if representative Mike Boast lunged at him oh yeah I think his, uh, his passions are a little inflamed 
playing this. I think he's working through the stages of grief and might be a part. Did Congressman Boss lunch at you as well? What's that? Did Congressman Boss lunch at you as well? Uh, I, uh, I think he was pretty animated. I don't know if I would describe it as a lunch. What did you say that caused McCarthy to yell at you? Uh, well, I don't know. I said that I thought that uh, having Speaker Light was a bad idea. I think Republicans ought to stay in uh, our conference until we elect a Speaker. I think we got a lot of great folks. I'm supporting Jim Jordan. Uh, that'll be how it goes. So you don't support any resolution to elevate McHenry for now? I don't. Okay. I can't wait to hear more about the possible fight that happened. God damn, this is juicy. You know what else is juicy? The tea that Sidney Powell is going to be spilling on Donald Trump in exchange for her plea deal. Sidney Powell uh, surprisingly pleading guilty earlier today, just days before jury selection, here is the video from inside the courtroom. Ms. Powell, I just have a few questions for you. Do you understand the nature of the charges that have been reaccused and that you would be pleading guilty to today? I do, sir. And you've heard all the rights that uh, the state has gone through that you would waive by going forward with this plea. Do you still wish to waive those rights? I do. And are you pleading guilty today because you agree that there is a sufficient factual basis, that there are enough facts that support this plea of guilty? I do. Mr. Rafferty, I, she is one of the main lawyers that that instigated this. Yes, yeah, she only got probation to stay out of jail. I'm going to assume she she's going to be like the star witness against Trump. Are you satisfied your client is competent and understanding that the plea is voluntary and that there is a sufficient factual basis for entering this plea? Yes, Ross. Well, I agree and find that there is a sufficient factual basis, and I find this plea of guilty to be knowingly voluntary voluntarily and intelligently entered uh there's been a request intelligently really the first offender act and the court will approve that request withhold adjudication uh, but i must notify you miss powell that you're not allowed to withdraw your plea simply because you do not comply with the terms of the sentence and the terms of that sentence would be as recommended by the parties uh, on count one conspiracy to commit intentional interference with the performance of election duties the sentence would be 12 months probation and counts two through six would also be 12 months probation consecutive to each other and to count one uh, for a total term of essentially six years probation, but we're going to translate that into months for the sentence sheet. Special conditions would include a $6,000 fine with $1,000 for each count, restitution to be paid in the amount of $2,700 uh, to the Secretary, Georgia Secretary of State's office. Uh, you are uh, to have written a letter uh, of apology satisfied. you're also to provide a recorded proffer with the state which you've already satisfied scott hall had to write a little a letter of apology against any and all co-defendants in this matter at any uh, upcoming proceedings you are not to have any communication with any witness any co-defendant or any member of the media concerning uh, the facts or circumstances of this case and uh, you to provide all documents to the district attorney's office uh, as uh, requested and relevant to this case. Again, Ms. Young, I would ask uh, if you could provide the uh, state's recitation of the exact phrasing of these, and we'll make sure that's reflected in the final disposition form. Uh, in order to make this 
sentence consistent with uh, Mr. Hall. I, I do believe it would be uh, appropriate, and I'm willing hey, to yo. language uh, involving moral turpitude, uh, although that language being included on the sentence form may not ultimately have any effect on the um, entities responsible for actually determining that. Are there any other express conditions and special conditions, Ms. Young, that uh, you would like to see reflected on this sentence? I think you covered it, Your Honor. Okay. Uh, Mr. Rafferty, is there anything else that uh, you think needs to be on the record today? Ms. Young, uh, do you the state um, have an announcement regarding the indictment in this case? Uh, yes, Your Honor. The state will be entering an all-pros order on um, indictment number 23SC188947 as it applies to Ms. Powell. All right. Well, upon being provided a copy of that motion, uh, I will sign it and the charges in the indictment will be dismissed. All right. If there's uh, nothing else, then we will uh, conclude this and be off the record. Good luck, Mr. Allow me to translate what just happened. Trump is fucked. Sydney Powell is a lawyer, albeit not a good one. But if she had, if she had good legal representation, then that uh, lawyer recommended to her, take the plea deal because you are fucked. Trump is fucked. Probably the first of many guilty pleas. But I mean, Trump is not exactly known for picking the best lawyers now, is he? Trump's gag order appeal in the Jack Smith case draws a flag from the court over the fact that the lawyer isn't a member of the bar. In what Trump attorney John Luro described as a routine request, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit said he must become a member of the court's bar before making filings. In the partial gag order fight, he went and found a lawyer that is not even certified by the goddamn bar. So allow me to translate yet again Trump is fucked. I know, I know right-wingers uh, are out here like, oh, they're just out to get Trump. These, these charges are frivolous. No, no, Trump, Trump is fucked. They've, they've been trying to get Trump for years. They haven't got him yet. <laughs> no, Trump is fucked. Now, the person that I expect that Trump will pick as his running mate in 2024... Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'm standing behind that. He needs to win Georgia in order to win the presidency. And I, I'm almost certain he's going to pick a, you know, a token, if you will, a woman, a black person. It's, it's going to be something along those lines. So my bet is Marjorie Taylor Greene, and she has been lobbying hard for it. Marge caught on video yesterday. We watched the protest. It was Jewish protesters at the Capitol calling for a ceasefire. Jewish protesters. 
I know they were condemned by the ADL, but the ADL has, the ADL is a pro-Zionist organization. It pains me to say that. The ADL has done some, some incredible work in this country, but especially here in the last five years, they've gone incredibly pro-Zionist. They condemned these protesters, but they were Jewish protesters protesting for peace. Marjorie Taylor Greene caught on camera with her uh, thoughts on the protester. Content warning. He might say some things that they wouldn't want uh, published in a book that kids might read in school. Okay, so am I trapped out here? Is that what it is? Why don't, the Capitol Police are not arresting these people. This is an insurrection. Throw these people out. Like, what is happening? It's going to be a fucking insurrection again. Wait, she said a fucking insurrection again? Well, I thought thought, thought it was a peaceful protest. Like, what is happening? It's going to be a fucking insurrection again. Okay. Well. So on January... They arrested everybody, and the Department of Justice is still going after them all, but yet everybody's allowed to stay in here and do this. Is that right? Do you think that's what we're saying? Is January 6th similar to January 6th? I don't know. I mean, we're going to find out. Okay, so am I trapped out here? Is that what it is? Why don't the Capitol Police are not arresting these people? This is an insurrection. Throw these people out. Like, what is happening? I don't think you know what an insurrection is. Um, I hate to, I hate to inform you, uh, Congresswoman, but that looks like a peaceful protest to me. 100% First Amendment protected speech. What happened on January 6th was not that. Yes. Yes, they are still going after people. In relation to January 6th, you you are correct about that, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Matter of fact, there was arrest, an arrest, um, or an indictment, I believe it was today or yesterday, of an officer who apparently assaulted an officer. Montgomery County police officer has been indicted on charges in connection to the January 6th riot on Capitol Hill. 25-year-old Justin Lee was arrested after a seven-count indictment that includes... It's racist if I say that. Felony charges of assault... Cancel Justin. He also faces a long list of misdemeanor charges of entering and remaining in the Capitol building that day. Lee has been on administrative leave since July for his Thank you, DJ. fatal shooting of a knife-wielding man in Aspen Hill. The Montgomery County Police Department released a statement that reads in part, quote, in light of Lee's arrest, he has been suspended without pay and the department... Whoa, 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 whoa. So, he was involved in a fatal shooting. That didn't get him fired, but at least being a part of January 6th did. Officer. He also faces a long list of misdemeanor charges of entering and remaining in the Capitol building that day. Lee has been on administrative leave since July for his involvement in the fatal shooting of a knife-wielding man in Aspen Hill. The Montgomery County Police Department released a statement that reads in part... 
Well, at least to be fair, like it did look like the knife-wielding man was coming for him, which, you know, based. Quote, in light of Lee's arrest, he has been suspended without pay and the department is taking steps to terminate his employment. Lee is expected to make an initial court appearance today. This one is heart-wrenching. It is apparently an old story. I mean, there's new developments, but this is an old story. So this happened in Indiana. This man was a wealthy Republican. And the details of this story are very... um, very graphic. Oh shit. Indiana's oldest mysteries. Investigators identified 30 year old remains found at Fox Hollow Farms. That's the property of Herbert Baumeister, a man believed to be one of Indiana's most notorious serial killers. Eric spent the morning at Fox Hollow, rather, in northern Hamilton County, and investigators say there could be more than two. He was a staunch Republican. And apparently a closeted gay man who was murdering other gay men. Two dozen victims on that property, Eric. Leah, the home has recently come back in the spotlight as the Hamilton County Coroner's Office began taking another look at all of the bones found on the property last year. Today, Hamilton County Coroner Jeff Jellison announced the investigation has made its first positive ID of some of the unidentified remains. This is Alan Livingston. He went missing in 1993 when he was just 27. Yesterday, investigators with the Indiana State Police positively ID'd his remains among those being tested from the group of thousands of bone fragments. Allen's family has long believed he was one of Baumeister's victims. Investigators believe Baumeister preyed on Indianapolis gay bars for years, picking up men and killing them in his remote Hamilton County home, Fox Hollow Farm. In 1996, an investigation began after bones were found on Baumeister's property, leading to the discovery of more than 10,000. Those 10,000 fragments we mentioned earlier, additional bones have even been found in the recent years. Along with the positive ID of Allen, state police investigators have found new DNA profiles of other victims as well. Jellison is hoping this is just the beginning of answers for many more families. The Indiana State Police informed me this morning from the 44 remains that have been sent to them this year, we also have four more individuals that are unidentified to family reference samples. Coming up at five, my full story from Fox Hollow, our conversation with one of Alan Livingston's family members about their newfound answers and how this new investigation has come full circle for Livingston's family. So you apparently ran a Save-A-Lot store. So he married a woman in 71, a union that produced three children. That woman later said they had been sexually intimate only six times in over 25 years of marriage, and she never saw her husband nude. Six months after his marriage, uh, Bomeister was committed to a psychiatric hospital by his father for two months. Bomeister eventually uh, founded the successful two-store Save-A-Lot thrift store chain in Indianapolis. He's the founder of Save-A-Lot. 
1994, Bo Master's son had been playing in the family's wooded backyard when he found a complete, partially buried human skeleton. Bo Master explained to his family that it had been one of his father's dissecting skeletons. He had then had it stored in their garage and buried it again in the garden after he cleaned out the garage. So the police department began investigating him in the early 90s. Police identified Brian Smart as her Bowmeister. That was apparently the name he went by, Brian Smart. They approached Bowmeister, told him he was a suspect in, in the disappearances, and asked to search his house. Both Bowmeister and his wife, Julie, refused to allow a search of the property. By 1996, however, Julie had become sufficiently frightened by her husband's erratic behavior that after filing for divorce, she consented to a search. The search of the estate was conducted while Bowmaster was on vacation. It turned up the remains of 11 men, eight of whom were identified. With a warrant out for his arrest, Bowmaster fled to Ontario where he committed suicide at Pinery Provincial Park on Lake Huron by shooting himself in the head with a 357 Magnum left a three-page suicide note written on yellow notepaper. He regretted messing up the park, he wrote, and he felt badly about his broken marriage and failing business, but he did not mention the remains of his victims or admit to any crime. He described items on his trip, including his intention to kill himself in a different place, but seeing children there had changed his mind. His final meal was a peanut butter sandwich. Well, okay, this is a wild story out of Oklahoma. He killed himself in in, in 96. July 3rd, 1996, he was 49 when he died. So we're going to go to Oklahoma now where a a bus driver has been accused of kidnapping and we have video from the bus. Fox News, the national Fox News, because this is a Fox, this is a local Fox News affiliate. The national Fox News is coming to his defense, which I find odd. So, because like, creepy dude accused of kidnapping kids. Why are why is Fox News coming to his defense? We're gonna we're gonna watch this video. Let's hear the. We're gonna see the news piece first, the news hit, and then we're gonna watch the actual video. Tonight, we are also hearing from the school district and police. Fox 23 Spencer Humphrey learned about the charges the former driver is facing from what we just showed you. 
It was an odd call for BAPD last Friday afternoon. We had witnesses that were on scene that were calling saying there was a Broken Arrow public school bus that was driving slowly. That all began here on Albany Street just east of Elm. The bus full of students from Centennial Middle School going home for the day. And that they were observing children jump from the vehicle from uh, open emergency exits. Police say that all happened while the driver, 68-year-old Thomas Young, kept the bus moving at a slow speed. That can continued until the bus pulled into this bank parking lot where people saw more kids jump out. It was an odd call for Broken Arrow Public Schools administrators too. We didn't have any complaints on this gentleman. He's been with us for about a year now. Spokesperson Tara Thompson watched the surveillance video from that bus. He was running about 30 to 40 minutes late for picking up the students. She says there was a back and forth between Young and some of the students who were upset they were delayed. There was a lot of frequent stops as the driver again tried to bring the bus under control. That's when kids started jumping out. The bus eventually ended up at another school where by then some kids' parents had shown up. The bus driver was not willing to let the students leave the bus. And that's where BAPD stepped in and arrested Young for kidnapping and child endangerment. Holding the kids against their will and then the fact that the children were jumping from the school bus while he continued to drive eastbound, even at slow speeds, put those uh, children and, and endangered them in a dangerous situation. Based on the behavior we saw, he put kids in danger and we just we cannot have that. As of Friday evening, Young is no longer a BAPS employee. Thompson has still though heard from her share of upset parents. I think they have a right to be upset. I mean there there was confusion, there was you know safety concerns. She says the district is doing all it can to win back their trust. I want parents to know that we do take uh, the, the safety of their children very seriously, which is why that person is no longer employed with us. In Broken Arrow covering news that matters, Spencer Humphrey Fox. So let's watch the video now. With this shocking new video showing a now former Broken Arrow school bus driver seemingly refusing to let kids off his bus. Glad you're with us tonight. I'm Sarah Whaley. And I'm Rick Marinon. Shea has the night off. Now, we told you about this arrest over the weekend. I thought this is the raw video. With what we've learned new today from police. We start with Fox 23's Alex Cash live after she goes through that video minute by minute. The bus driver was arrested by officers here at the Broken Arrow Police Department, but this video was given to us by Broken Arrow Public Schools. Now in it, you can hear shouting. You can also hear kids crying and screaming, and you can also hear parents banging on the side of the bus trying to get their children out. This is 68-year-old Thomas Young behind the wheel of a Broken Arrow school bus last Friday. Quiet. Everybody be quiet. I'm not moving until I don't hear any speaking. He can be seen here stopping the bus but not letting the kids off to their parents. No. Starlight, good evening. My mom, sit down. I don't care. Sit down. I don't care if your mom's there. Makes no difference to me. You're not going with your mom. Police say he'd stopped in this area near Elm and East Albany. An arrest report says police had received multiple calls saying the bus wasn't moving and kids were screaming for help from the windows. In the video, Young can be heard refusing to move until the children are quiet and repeatedly shouting. Sit down! I am not moving until you are quiet! The video shows he was stopped for around nine minutes. In that time, kids can be heard screaming. One child calls for his mom. Mama, help! 
Others can be heard crying. One boy walks to the front of the bus and tries to get off, but Young puts up his arm and stops him. In the arrest reports, Young told police he'd just been assigned to the route and arrived 30 minutes late to pick the kids up. The report says he told police when the kids got on the bus they were being, quote, loud and obnoxious. They're kids. I don't care that you don't care, motherfucker. These kids have been, like, cooped up in a fucking almost prison-like state. That's the way schools are nowadays. For what? Seven, eight hours? Of course they're going to get on the bus. They're going to be rowdy. They're going to be fucking letting off steam. I don't blame them. That's what kids do. I'm not Meanwhile, parents knocked on the side of the bus. Freedom, you are correct. At one point, Young opens the door and speaks to a man. This dude, like, this dude probably uh, needs the fucking money. We, we have failed as a society that this dude couldn't just fucking retire and enjoy the rest of his life. Who tells him to stop shouting while some of the children run off the bus? They are not listening. The arrest report says kids were also seen jumping out of the emergency door at the back, even when it started moving again. Young is seen driving 10 to 15 miles an hour before stopping again at Creekwood Elementary School and telling the children the school administration were coming. You can see that I don't care what parents do. If they smack the bus, I don't care. I don't care if they get violent and break windows. It makes no difference to me. I got somebody coming right now. You got somebody coming. On charges of child endangerment and kidnapping. Earlier on, the district had counselors on hand for students who were on that bus, and a new driver is now on that route. Covering news that matters, I'm Alex Cash. I cover absurd news. You cover news that matters. I cover the absurdity that is the United States in 2023. But what I want to know is. Why Why is the national Fox News taking up for him? Bus driver accused of kidnapping, but video may tell a different story. What? <laughs> a 68-year-old Oklahoma bus driver lost his job and faces charges for child abuse and kidnapping. Bus driver was on a new route, the district said, which may have contributed to the tense incident. The district said there had been no previous complaints about Young. Whether Young's charges stick amid the amid the chaotic situation happening on the bus is another matter. This is oh, Tones. I didn't tell you good evening. Also, Freedom, welcome in, my friend. Oklahoma criminal defense attorney Tommy Adler told News Channel 8, you can see him trying to reestablish control and reestablish order on that bus. I mean, just because some kid demands to get off a moving bus on a public roadway doesn't mean that the driver has to let the kid 
the child off immediately. <laughs> Young is currently incarcerated at a Tulsa County jail with bail set at 60 grand. It's unclear whether he has retained counsel or when he is due in court. Yep, Fox is indeed crazy, but I mean, that's the... That's their audience, right? They do things like accuse Taylor Swift of witchcraft. Failed MAGA candidate melts down at Taylor Swift. You're celebrating witchcraft. Darla, your band director got fired for texting young girls. Wow. In my hometown, a coach, an unnamed uh, a teacher, and one other, like a teacher's assistant, was fired because there was apparently a relationship going on between one of the students. Oh, you know, fucking, fucking shit. Before we move on to this kind of bullshit, let me, let me cover something. Let me fucking shit. Let me bitch about the fucking cops. I've brought this dude up on the show before. So I went to college in Johnson City, Tennessee. Home to East Tennessee State University. I heard about this motherfucker 10, 15 fucking years ago when I was in college. Been accused of assaulting numerous women, raping numerous women. He was apparently wanted for over a year before they caught him, despite the fact that, like, his face is on murals in downtown and shit. Well-known businessman in Johnson City. He was finally arrested last year. And they apparently found child porn in his safe. He, he has been charged with a litany of offenses, including on the federal lever, uh, level. They were transporting him from Whitesburg, Kentucky to Greenville, Tennessee earlier this week. And guess what happened? He escaped. He is currently on the loose. There is a manhunt underway in East Tennessee for this motherfucker who should have been arrested 10 fucking years ago. I guarantee the cops are in on it. Oh, shit. Day two in the search for escape continues. It's our top story tonight. Good evening. I'm Sarah Diamond. It's day two in the search for escapee Sean Williams. We're learning more details. Moments ago, Laurel County, Kentucky Center jailer Jamie Mosley released a statement. Detention deputies from his jail were the ones transporting Williams to Greenville yesterday. He said that. 
boat potentially may have used a paper clip that was discovered in the van where the inmate was seated to free himself from the bullshit. It also appears that he goes on to say that the inmate exited the van very near to the entrance of the federal courthouse. That's according to a witness and GPS system on the van and quote the U.S. Marshal's office says there are still no solid leads in the search for Williams. The reward for information leading to his capture has now been increased to seventy five hundred dollars. Williams escaped custody yesterday morning in Greenville on the way to U.S. District Court. His second appointed attorney was requesting to be removed from the case. Now, Williams is a former Johnson City businessman who operated a concrete and glass contracting business. He's been charged with several felonies ranging from drug-related charges to the production of child pornography. Williams is also at the center of two separate federal lawsuits claiming Johnson. There's a link to the story. Here is his wanted poster so everybody gets a good look at this motherfucker. I, the, the feds, the feds know. The feds know. The circumstances of the escape are under full investigation and anyone who may have assisted Williams or was negligent in their duties that may have facilitated the escape will be held responsible. That was from the federal marshal that he was being transported to. So the feds know. The feds know the local cops helped him. Johnson City Police mishandled some of the rape incidents that were reported to them by several women. Williams has not been charged in any of those alleged rapes. And that's bullshit. Sorry, I just wanted to bitch about that. I've oof. Oof. Burns me when I So we were doing the stream, right? So he escaped. Was it yesterday we did the house speaker stream? Yes. So when I got off stream, that was like the very first thing I saw. It was like alerts all over my phones and shit. Manhunt underway. And my first response was, well, the cops fucking did it. Okay, okay, let's get, let's, let's do a little bit of bullshit and then we're going to get out of here because apparently we're going to be back here at 10 a.m. tomorrow for this fucking house speaker vote. Failed MAGA candidate melts down at Taylor Swift. You're, (laughs) you're, you're celebrating, you're celebrating witchcraft. I mean, she looks a little witchy there. A former MAGA candidate for Georgia governor went on an angry tirade this week against pop megastar Taylor Swift. She just wanted in on it. She just went like, apparently just talking about Taylor Swift to get you noticed. 
Writing on Twitter, MAGA podcaster and fellow gubernatorial candidate, Candace Taylor. I do believe producer Dave has covered her a few times. Slammed Swift for supposedly turning to the dark side and pushing her fans into witchcraft. Did you really just praise your fans for making videos with your music and casting spells, Taylor Swift? What is wrong with you? I was a I was a fan from day one. She she was back in the country era. I don't know what the album was. I can't I can't tell you what era that was. I'm I'm not the biggest Taylor Swift fan, but she's got a handful of songs. The only Taylor we stand. It's Taylor's your business. Goddamn right. My daughter has grown up dancing with me to your songs, singing to the top of her lungs, and it will just shake it off then. (laughs) I've heard from others that attended this last tour that you had some satanic nods in your show. I didn't want to believe it. Taylor then accused Swift of backsliding on her past professions of Christianity in favor of something darker. You're celebrating witchcraft. You're influencing innocent minds to be enticed with the dark side of spirituality. Taylor wrapped up her rant against Swift by warning her that God could take it. I mean, she's just making Taylor Swift sound cooler. Warning that God could take away the blessings that he gave her that made her so famous in the first place. Let's see how much... I thought when people got famous, they made a deal with the devil. Let's see how much Lucifer cares about you or your career. I promise he doesn't. So in the past, Taylor has drawn widespread ridicule for her embrace of flat earth conspiracy theories. And she has stated that America has been brainwashed into thinking the earth is... Do we have video? Is there video? An interview with Dave Weiss, a.k.a. Flat Earth Dave. I assure you, not as cool as producer Dave. Or more, I'm like, it doesn't make sense. So... Is it or not? I don't know 100%, but it's just, it doesn't make sense the other way. Now that you see it. it. The the people that defend the globe don't know anything about the globe because if they knew a tenth of what Matt and I know about the globe, they would be flat earthers because it's absolutely ridiculous. I, I can't unsee this. All the globes everywhere. I turn on TV. There's globes in the background. There's globes on there right here. Like this would be a globe if I was a normal person. Like everywhere there's globes. You see them all the time. I mean, it's constant. My children will be like, Mama, globe, 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 globe. They're everywhere. And that's what they do to brainwash. And so for me, if it is not a conspiracy, if it is, you know, real, why are you pushing so hard everywhere I go, every store, you buy a globe, there's globes everywhere, every movie, every TV show, news media. You can't argue with that. Damn, explain sunrises and sunsets. Have you ever flown on a plane? Explain time zones. How does a sundial work? 
think about it. The ancient Greeks knew that the earth was round. It's the, you look into the sky like, okay, what's that dude's name? Amari King. I hate that motherfucker. He's a dumbass. But he, he had a very succinct post where he's like, Moon, round, sun, round, Mars, round, Earth, don't know. These people. Oh, God, let's go to Arkansas. You guys remember... Do you guys remember um, Donald Trump's press secretary, the one with the with the smoky eye? Apparently, she's mad at words. <laughs> she's she's banning words. Sarah Huckabee Sanders in Arkansas banning words. Governor of Arkansas signed an executive order banning certain words from state government documents. Words that the order says are, quote, woke anti-women words. <laughs> Up yours, woke moralists. We'll see who cancels who. Today, we're taking a stand against woke nonsense. What frankly started as a fad among a few grad students has seeped down into corporations, the healthcare industry, and increasingly state government. It's demeaning to women and it needs to stop. All state offices, departments, boards, and commissions are prohibited from using the words that are listed in that uh, executive order. And in government documents, those words will be replaced with what the governor says are, quote, accurate female affirming alternatives. So can we can we get a list of the words? Human milk, birth giver, chest feeding. Pregnant people or pregnant person. Body fed. Birthing person, laboring person, menstruating person, birth giver. I didn't even at woman, 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 where, where did that, well, I've never even heard those phrases. We're, we're over here. We're the woke as you could possibly get. And I've never even heard that one. Come the fuck on. My tagline on Twitter is literally toke and get woke. Cause that's what we, that's what we do on this show. God damn. I got to get up at 10 a.m. tomorrow. You know, since we're since we were talking about Taylor Swift, I think I did this one when I was banned on YouTube. So let's let's do this. This is this is per, I, I, I think it was when I was banned on YouTube. Is known for pumpkin spice season. Well, how about pub pumpkin spice season? Sorry about that. Today, Northeast Portland was taken over by hundreds of not the only pun you're going to get in this story for the Oregon Humane Society's annual pug crawl. I gotta work on my puns. This year's theme was Taylor Swift. 
The sold-out crawl featured a costume contest and float parade, pugs, and their proud owners. I just got it. Tail. T-A-I-L. Taylor. Taylor. We're clearly in their best-dressed era. K2 met Franny, a pug who knows the pain of wearing sunglasses all too well. Her owner walked us through Franny's red-inspired look. I have a red wagon. Um, I put a box on top, decorate it with some streamers. We have a poster with all with some lyrics from the red album. There were friendship bracelets, but we threw them into Franny's version. Uh, yeah, instead of Taylor's version, we put Franny's version because that is Fran right here, who is over the uh, <laughs> the float. Franny's version, indeed. Unfortunately, pugkin spice season. Sorry about that. 10 a.m. Taken over by hundreds of pugs at 10 a.m. tomorrow. Apparently, we're we're getting another vote for Speaker of the House. I gotta work on my puns. This year's Friday morning, 10 a.m. Troll Patrol. Yay! I'm gonna I'm gonna pull myself out of bed. I'm gonna do my best to be here with you. It's possible that that's not gonna take place. So if I don't see you for a House vote for Speaker tomorrow. I will see you tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Eastern with Chainsaw as the special guest co-host of the Friday Night Freak Show. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin'. We'll see you tomorrow sometime on the Troll Patrol or the Freak Show.